Welcome to another episode of Learn the Folk. Today I'm joined by Mr. Tully and Ms. Hadley Thorne, author, podcaster extraordinary. How are you all doing today? Good. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have everybody here. So, how's your all's week's been doing? I know we had a 45-minute discussion about it before this, but we can talk <laughs> Where's David at? David is currently um, ill. He drank too much semen last night. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to ask David about his puppies. Did he ever find them home? Well, I don't know if he's found any home for those puppies or not. I think he's going to be raising them. They're good-looking like, puppies. I would take one if I didn't have a house full. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted those. I've always wanted the black German Shepherd. I think when uh, we get ready for another dog, that's what I'm going to be looking for. A black one? Mm-hmm. They, the, apparently, black German Shepherds is the only German Shepherds with almost a guaranteed no hip dysplasia. Mm. Um, black and tans and white German Shepherds are the worst for hip dysplasia. Well, mm. funny you should say this is something I'm an expert on. <laughs> but um, German Shepherds, is the hip dysplasia is really bad in the American lines. But when you go over to the European lines, they don't have those problems. Because you remember um, my big German Shepherd, he had a straight back. Which mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw him, but he had a straight back. 120 pounds. He did not have hip dysplasia. He, and as far as I know... The only one of his siblings that had some hip problems was one that got hit by a car when she was young, and it was from that. Yeah, now, after I, you have to think, I was twenty two or twenty three when I got gauged, so I wasn't like making the smartest decisions in the world. <clears throat> and I got gauged from a, I mean, he is AKC, but I got him from someone's backyard in the country who yeah. does not care that their bloodlines have hip dysplasia. I do have a question about this, and this is going to sound like a joke, but I'm being dead serious. You said the ones in Europe and stuff don't have that. Is that because Hitler bred it out? Because no. those were his favorite dogs. One day, not like. Mm-hmm. You will well, figure that you know, with the genocide and the experiments they were doing, he would do the same thing for animals too, and maybe that's, some, that's crazy to think about. You think? I'm not even going to go down this one, one good thing that Hitler did. <laughs> we're, we're not going to talk about the, uh, the German shepherd massacre. But no, but um, like I, mayhem, I did the, like one of those DNA tests on him and it showed that his, which his mother I adopted her and she just happened to be pregnant and she came from a breeder. So I was, I had some concerns that it was going to be, um, you know, a hip dysplasia issue and things like that. And it ended up that his father was probably a German or Czechoslovakian, one of those European bloodlines. And that's where we think he got his size from. He had one of those big heads. Um, he was a he was a very large dog. All those dogs. His mom was probably about ninety pounds at her optimum health, and the rest of his siblings and him were all about a hundred, hundred and twenty pounds. So they were really large for German shepherds. Even though Gage was born to suffer, he has been the best protector. Um, that I could possibly ask for. So I don't know that I'll ever not have a German Shepherd. Yeah. I just think I'm going to make more, a more responsible choice for the next pick. You know what He's I mean? He's a good old boy. Oh, well, and, and Tully, and I'll tell you, because I'm kind of mixed about this, because my dog was a rescue. You know, um, his mother was going, she was, because of the problems that we have with irresponsible pet ownership where I live, he was going to, um, well, his mom was on her way to a kill shelter. And that's when I picked her up because a lot of times big dogs down South, they don't have, have room for them in the shelters. That's crazy. So they end up, you know, <clears throat> they'll keep them for a little while, then they'll put them down. So I went and picked her up and I had grown up around German shepherds. And I'll say this, I 
I've got one now. I still have a rescue um, winner that lives with me. But I miss my German Shepherds. There's nothing like one. And they're so easy to train. They're so easy to get along with. They're mm-hmm. almost cat-like in that they, you know, they're not as Velcro-y as some dogs are. You know, but every night when I went to bed, Mayhem slept in the bed with me. And I miss him terribly. But I never worried about anybody getting in my house and I think I told you this um somebody that was working for me came in the house and my mom was in the bed this is when my mom was living with me and he attacked him Mm. he did he did not like use his teeth on him but he let him know he could and it scared that guy to death but he shouldn't have been coming in the house with my mom in the bed like that I had to do the measurements on Spaz he's a half German shepherd half half mountain cur because we can't find collars that don't look like they're choking because he's got a big old fat neck. I measure his neck. He has a 24-inch neck. That's crazy. And a 35-inch chest. So his neck's... So if we don't tighten his collar up, he slips his collar. But if we tighten it up too much, he can't breathe. So I'm having... I'm, I'm going to have to buy him a harness. Yeah. 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 Probably do that tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> But he, he, I don't know why his neck's so fat. He's got the fattest neck I've ever seen. Is that the German Shepherd or the Mountain Cur? He looks like a dinosaur. What's a Mountain Cur? What is a Mountain Cur? It's like a... They're brindle dogs. Yeah, yeah, it's just a hunting is that what, dog. Is that what Wilson is? He looks... Is yes. Wilson? Wilson looks kind of like a, a Cur. Well... Um, you got a picture, Cecil? Of my dog, no, but I can pull one up. Um, so this episode's about dogs, <laughs> <laughs> which we love. We're all we all love people. our dogs. Yeah, that looks like Wilson. Yeah, see, my dog oh. looks just like that. Yeah. Same color pattern and everything, except everything up here looks German Shepherdish. Like his ears stand straight up, and but they're big. Like he's got huge ears, and he's got like the crooked bump in his nose and everything and that's called a mountain cur yeah yep and it's they a, all it, look like that yeah it's an akc breed uh, really? i believe yeah <laughs> we've been debating what these animals are y'all know the infamous um chris vandalay had found this mama dog and rescued her because that's what chris vandalay does and she um had eight all male puppies wow and wilson was the only brindle one but they all have that head because we were we were like is it a pit and it kind of has a pit look but it's not really it's got those it's got those crazy ears yeah um but yeah that's I'm probably what it is then <gasps> well we were saying someone had said it looked like a um catahoula cur and but Wilson was the only one who's brindle, and he's the only one that's got a blue eye. With the Catahoulas, they have the blue eyes. So we don't know. She said, that, she said just give it up trying to figure it out. Here, I'll she show. still has seven puppies, by the way. I'll show a picture of my big old boy. Um, I, I have to pull it from the book of faces. But you can see the mountain current. like. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's but he's got them big old floppy ears. Look how big that neck is. He does have a big old neck. That's a German <laughs> Shepherd neck. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Stupid as they come. Anyway. <laughs> well, so, Wilson is just a mess. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so tell us about the new book. The new book. The new book, Dawnbreaker, The House of Blood and Sun, is my latest book. It is on Amazon. Um, This started off as a Kindle Vela that I was encouraged to write by my editor, Miss Gracie Ellison. And she thought that I should try and dive more into the paranormal romance, um, trying to get readers. Because the Tapestry of World books, as y'all know, is kind of more apocalyptic urban fantasy, but it crosses so many genres it's very hard to narrow it down so she thought this would be a good way for me to reach some new readers and hopefully um just keep building my 
readership and so I tried it out um Kindle Vela it it wasn't a really good format for me so I pulled it I reworked the book got it ready and it has been a long time coming but finally got it published and released on the 17th which was perfect because Dawnbreaker has a lot of Celtic myth and folklore that's woven into the story and I'll also take a lot of Mississippi history and folklore and weave it in as well which is I think what we were going to talk about tonight was a little bit about how because because of the world that Dawnbreaker takes place is on this side of the veil and on the other and the the world that we cross over into this book is the world of the elves or the fairies and I took liberties with the legend of the Twatha de Danon and basically had them coming to America with the first settlers and settling in Fort Rosalie which is another name for Natchez Mississippi and outside of Natchez is the Emerald Mound, which is a giant mound that was built by this prehistoric um, mound builders, native indigenous to the area. But it's a little bit different for me because I take it and which if you know the legend of the she and the Twathody Dawn is that they live there, they live in, under the mounds and they live in the other world and Ireland. So I just kind of took that and blended it together with the Mississippi mythos and there you go. So now instead of it being <laughs> Emerald Mound, it's Emerald City under the mound. That's crazy. So so we're talking about two two different cultures or are we talking about the same culture that came from Ireland? Yes. Say it correctly. Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> You're ignorant, dude. <laughs> so, so is there? Okay. Or when we say that they came from Ireland, are we saying that that is a liberty, or is that like actually what happened? Well, I mean, it depends on who you're talking to, right? Because in Mississippi, one in three people that you meet are probably from the Isles. You know, they, their heritage is probably coming from Ireland, Scotland, or Wales, um, England. So there's a lot of that history and mythos here, which, which you know, it's very much the same in Appalachia. It's, mm-hmm. This is just where, um, and I'm going to say our people, because obviously I've got um, that kind of lineage, is that's just where we went. And a lot of people came to Mississippi and it's a lot of farmers and that's where they ended up. So a lot of times when the people come, the legends, so the, the elementals of a race might travel with a family. And especially with like the Scots and the Irish, you have pretty much like some type of fae that will attach themselves to certain bloodlines, like banshees. Like I've heard of people who have like, a family line that they have a banshee that's attached itself to their family and usually there's one person in the family that sees it so I just kind of took stuff that I knew and things that I'd heard and kind of built it into my world if I felt like it fit Mm. that's awesome I I find all that stuff super interesting Uh, especially I I think you might have mentioned the family thing before but you know that that's come up over the years as far as like things that attach themselves to, you know, certain bloodlines. Um, I find all that stuff super interesting, which. Well, I, there's a girl that I knew that she, they, there's a banshee that's attached to her family and she's seen it. That's terrifying. Well, I mean, I don't, I want to say like it was something that she saw for a very long time, but then she stopped seeing it. So I'm not sure if it, it, or maybe it was only cir- circumstantial. I'm not sure. I always thought that Banshee, if you seen one, it like preluded death. Well, interesting enough, this child was, um, 
she was in high school when there was a school shooting at her school and oh, she shoot. was the target. Um, the guy that did the shooting was obsessed with her and was looking for her when he got on campus and started what? shooting. That's insane. Yeah. That's like a that's the worst case scenario. Man. Yeah, isn't it? And she's a sweet girl, but you know, she had some issues with that. So I not knowing and not talking with her recently, I'm not sure if that was just something that maybe manifested during that time period of her life or if and it went away or if it was something that she was always with her. The thing about banshees too is they can appear as like old hags or beautiful women too. I'm like, I don't know. I always heard like if you heard the scream of a banshee or like a welling or shrieking, basically that is a prelude to death, either in the family or close or something like that. That'd be. And you know, when I was younger and I first read about banshees, that was the one of my number one fears was actually seeing one. I don't know why. You know, it, it could be, I don't think I'm making this up, but on one of the times that we spoke with Tracy Crosby, I, I think she was talking about a house that had something attached to it, very similar to this. Um, maybe not necessarily the people, but, um, and I don't even know, I know Tracy was on the episode, but I don't know if we were talking about Tracy's experience necessarily or whether she was elaborating on a story we were telling yeah. But it it was a house that these people had moved into. I think they had gotten it super cheap. And people kept seeing an old man through the through the window and all these terrifying things were happening to the family. And I think Tracy was elaborating on it as far yeah. as like her thoughts on what was going on. And I think we that's how we kind of came to um things attaching themselves to certain people or things. I think in this case, it was something to do with the house, like some, some component of the house itself had been moved from somewhere else. And this person um, or being entity had attached itself to the, the actual materials that the house was built out of. Good be. So in your book, in your newest book, like what's the, um, so obviously it has a protagonist, right? Yes. <laughs> Can't you have a book without those. Um, you said it was a. Did you say it was a romance novel? It's a paranormal romance, but you know me, that's not really my thing. So it gets more into um, metaphysical stuff as the story grows. I can so see it in your eyes, Cecil. Cecil's sitting there thinking he's just thinking about Bigfoot erotica right now. Yeah, I really am. No no, no Bigfoot erotica in this book. Uh, right So like, I don't know. Um so it it, within it, like, who is the main character? Um, her name is Nev, and the male character is named Connor. Connor. That's a cool name. I wish Connor my name was Connor. I had, to, I had to come up with a, a good Irish name. It could have been Brian O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a Brian O'Connor. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know. Like, uh, like, is it one of these, like, uh, girl meets boy in the fairy world or what? Well, actually, so Nev is a princess. She's the high princess of the, the Shining Court, and that's the Seely Court under the hill. And um, she doesn't really like her lot in life, so she sneaks out every chance she gets and comes to the mortal world to play in an Irish Kaylee band. And she is a fiddle player. And one night, out of the darkness, comes Connor O'Brien, and he's a vampire. So, Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he knows the guys in the band, and he sees her, and she sees him, and it's just kind of like there's just something there. And little by little... Something about her makes his vampire heart start beating again. 
He really just caught your breath. Is it because of her blood? Would be um, well, she does have the fey blood, but her hand, um, which I can't tell you all the stuff. You want to have to read the book. <laughs> um, you are going to have to read the book. But it does have, it has a lot of the um, mythos of the she in the Twatha de Danan, and there's a little bit of, you know, some of the stuff from, you know, Mississippi history. I know I love Mississippi history, so I put it in there. And it's got a lot, lot going on, but it also has some tie-ins to my series. So if you've read the series, um, you, you'll you see some characters that you will, might be surprised to see. And um, and if you haven't read the series, you're not going to notice it. But it might be something that, you know, you maybe want to learn some more about some people and find out more later. But that's really cool. Like I'm stoked. I'm stoked about. It. I've had your books for a year now, and I not read them. Not read them yet. <laughs> but I had time. I've cracked them open. <laughs> I've got several books in there that I've not had a chance to read yet. I don't get to read like I used to. I used to just read books all the time, but we do so much podcasting and all it, yeah. doing the research and everything takes up a lot of time with that. And anytime yeah. I'm getting ready to read like anybody's book that I really want to read, totally sends me something like the Cabal. And I'm like, well, <laughs> shit, now I got to read this. <laughs> well, I will say that, you know, in the weird verse, we've got a lot of really good writers that y'all should check out. Absolutely. There's a book, there's a book in my Amazon cart right now. Hang on, I'll tell you what it's called. Um, I, so the book that I sent Cecil was the Cabalion. It's the the hermetic principles of the universe. the The one that I have now is called "178 Worlds Under the Great Dome." Yeah, <laughs> and that's I, one. I'll, that's one that as soon as I get it, I'm like, "God damn it!" Now I gotta read this fucking thing. <laughs> Oh, well, no. I was watching something the other day that it's it's inspired me. I want to learn more about it, and then I want to write a book about it. But it's about these tunnels in Europe that go nowhere. Have y'all heard about them? I can't think of the name of them because I was watching YouTube. Like, tunnels that go nowhere. Yes, they dig. They go down, and they're not they're not the Templars' tunnels. These are something else, and they're just randomly throughout Europe. But they go down to like a certain depth and they get smaller and smaller. And sometimes like you have to get on your hands and knees and sometimes you have to get lower than that and kind of shimmy through them. And it's like they have they go nowhere and they have no purpose that they can figure out. Weird. And I was like, dude, that's so weird. I want to know about more about this. Worms. People worms. But I mean, They're why would they <laughs> Anytime I as see something like that like um what was it it might have been a, a picture one of the ai pictures that morgana sent us where it looked like a tunnel getting smaller and smaller like dissipating it, that stuff that kind of stuff reminds me of astral travel or like stargates mm -hmm. um very strange uh, i'd like to see something like that well, I know I've told you this before, um, I'm sure, because you're the people I tell this stuff to, but one time I had heard from a friend of mine that, that those like standing stones at Glastonbury and those that are scattered throughout the, the Celtic Isles, that they're like really stargates and that they tried that. to replicate it <laughs> at Stonehenge. That's what Stonehenge is, was there, was like the Druids trying to replicate what the ancients had done and not being able to do it. Or maybe they had, I'm not sure. But I, mean, I think, me. yeah, you know that they, they do say that Stonehenge, there is an energy and that it was more prevalent before they redid it, redid Stonehenge. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Stonehenge was basically laying on the ground when it was found, and they came in, I don't know, in the 60s or 70s and stood everything back up. But apparently before they did all that, it was more prevalent. So was, I bet they didn't even stand it back up in the right spots. All the all the star forts 
all over the world. <laughs> um, like the the free energy infrastructure that was set up all over the world prior to this last reset of the world. Um, you know, there's still remnants all over, but I think that the Stargates were tied into that free energy infrastructure and were powered by that. Um, basically powering portals, you know, I like te Tesla recreated some of that, um, portal technology. Well, did you, have you seen that part in that book? I sent you the magician's own handbook where you can actually make free energy, like a yeah. little battery. Yeah. Like that's something from the 1800s where people were able to make free energy. Like you, well, could, battery, and, you could power stuff with it. And some of the architecture <laughs> from that era, like pre reset that's left. Um, there's evidence that what we would think is a fireplace um, had um, hardware in the fireplace that served as almost like an antenna for that energy. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't used just to burn wood. Yeah. There's, a, there's a few of those left that, I mean, you, it's plain as day that they weren't used to burn wood. And, you know, these star forts and all these uh, rock mounds and things like this, they all scatter around to where it could have been like an opening to a parallel universe. Because I believe, like, in the depths of my mind that everything comes from somewhere. Like, there's truth to everything. And it's very possible that, you know, it could have been a Stargate or it could have just been a portal to a different dimension to where, you know, these elves and, like, everything came from. Sometimes I wonder if they like if we're what's left you know like it, it like prior to that reset if there was uh like the skid marks <laughs> like, like like a group a group that managed to get away um you know like what the hollow earth like the land beyond the ice wall all of that like i, I wonder if we were left behind for some reason oh um well for You've been me delving too much into edibles if you think that's deep <laughs> <laughs> like bro that's deep <laughs> so um yeah there's i recently came across it was talking about tesla and that like and i'm not familiar with him but i want to do a show on him so i can read up about him but that his whatever he built that was supposed to like be the energy thing which i'm sure y'all probably know more about what i'm talking about than i do that it was supposed to actually be specifically the size of the great pyramids and that it wasn't nearly that size and that the top of the great pyramids was actually like metal and that was like his whole thing gold. yeah Exactly, and that this was supposed to be, a, it was a miniature version of that, but it was built upon the same premise of what the pyramids were built for. So he had figured it out. I you think know, he was an alien. I think we need to call. It was a Venusian. Yeah, there's a CIA, CIA document, literally a uh, declassified CIA document that calls him a, a Venusian, like from mm -hmm. Venus. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> We need to call Morgana and tell her to queue up an episode on him. Because there's also, there's a kid now on TikTok. His name's Dr. Parkinson. <laughs> and he, he has a Tesla coil that fills up his whole backyard. It's massive. And he demonstrated free energy. He, well, he does, I think. Oh, go ahead. So he... Basically, he had someone two states away with a um, a detector that would detect electrical current. And he flipped on this coil that he built, and the detector two states away could pull that energy. And shortly after this experiment, he disappeared for a little bit. Uh, this is a kid that disappeared? Yeah, he, he, he disappeared for a little bit and came back. Oh, he's and now, back. And now he still has the Tesla coils and stuff. 
and like recently the other day he was uh he built an x-ray in his bathroom um <laughs> and he was doing he was doing x-rays on stuff and it looked it was like this blue energy it looked crazy but from what i've heard on um you know the conspiracy world and uh, on reddit he got pulled and basically warned about uh showing that kind of stuff I'm, I'm well, glad that we're coming to a point to where they just get worn now because everything's starting to like be way too obvious, especially with that kid because he's got millions of people that watch him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's well, they he's probably TikTok famous. Keep him around. And you know, he strikes me as somebody. If you were to watch him, you'd be like, "This dude's an alien." He literally, you know, the old Tommy uh, piano, like, "Hello, my darling," like that kind of yeah. that kind. <laughs> he plays that kind of style of piano he dresses like he's from the 1800s he's probably tesla reincarnated he could just be a fucking time traveler from that time period like you know he could be somebody from the god if i was a time traveler this is not where i'd want to be i would not be making tesla coils in my backyard if i was a time traveler maybe if he's trying to push out some kind of narrative or something and get wake people up or something you never know Get well, people prepared for what your what your legacy went through, you know, the reset and everything. Like, hey, this is coming. So I've got to share my aha moment with y'all because I recently had an aha moment since we're talking about other dimensions and, and portals and stuff like that. Because y'all know, like, I totally, like, based my personal belief system on <laughs> the stuff with the Norse and, and you know, the all that. Well, you know how they had nine worlds? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, there were nine planets. <laughs> yeah. So you, and I started think thinking that- about holy shit. What if they, how did they know that? Well, that's easy. If you go by science, they just looked in the sky and said, that's a planet. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think the the nature of the those worlds are different than what we've been taught. Like I don't Absolutely. think I don't think that you know even the the Norse mythos. I don't think those are like balls floating around in space. You know what I mean? Like I think it's, it's a whole universe, pretty much, um, or or planes. Anyway, like the lands of Mars, I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's a planet floating in the sky somewhere. Well, you've seen like the um, art of it, right? Well, it'll have the world tree, and yeah. then, like where the where they're placed. Yeah, I think it's something like that, and I think that um, it's layers of the dimensions. It very well could be. I mean, it's it's that's, but, that's but, as know, possible as anything. The um was it Bifrost is the gateway that or the you know, the pathway between the worlds, but you remember Loki could always find other places in and out. So there are other pockets that you can get in and out. It's just you have to know where to find them, and that's that's an idea that I use in my writing. That's awesome. That awesome. I think that's so interesting. Um, and that well, reminds there's me. Times. I'm sorry. There, there are times when the the veil, or now I don't even know that the veil was between the worlds anymore. But you know, there's a time when things are more in between, and it's easier to access those places. Um, we talked about this, like they they call it something, where it's it's basically in between places, like where you're like a doorway is uh is one of these places because it's not in a room it's in you know it's in both and neither um when you're on a boat you're not in the water but you're not on land you know you're not in the air you're you're in an in-between place you know uh that's that's interesting like the the stories about um you know sailing off the the edge of the earth like being able to kind of jump have you ever heard that like you can jump universes like that there's certain points of the earth where think pirates of the caribbean like how they went to the world's edge 
And then at a certain moment when the bell was then they could flip into a different universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. That just reminded me of that. But that that's not even just Norse mythology. I mean, think about um, uh, Dante's Inferno. Like, yeah. uh, like that's kind of the same concept. There's the, that there are passageways to these other realms hidden throughout our plane of existence. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that's the there's a commonality in all of our lore. That mm -hmm. if you start looking at the similarities and, and start, you know, just kind of ignoring the differences, there's a lot more that's the same than there is different. And that's where you find the truth. You know, yeah. I think I think you which I th I'm sure y'all know that my background, I've got a history degree. And that's one of the things that we learned when we were doing research is, you know, how do you find the truth when you're researching history? Will you get four or five different time period relevant news articles or papers that were written during that time period and you read them and you find what's similar, you know, because everybody has their own perception of the truth. So right. what the truth is, is the commonalities that everyone shares. So, I mean, that's where I think when we talk about you have to find what seems true to you, that's that's what I mean. You have to research and do, which I know I'm probably not making much sense here, but that's one of the things that I love about what our, what we're creating on Weird Realities with, with y'all and we do it for Weird Awakenings is everybody comes to the table with their research and their ideas and we talk about finding our personal truths within that. Yeah, I think we help. Uh, you know, I, we were even talking about this last night. I, I think we do, even though we may not have, you know, 50,000 people that come listen to us every week, the core group that we have, I do feel like that we help. Um, mm -hmm. Who was, I forget, it might have even been Landa last night that was like, thank you so much for telling me about this because it, it's really helped me. And I was like, after the show, I was like, wow, like, even though we're not like, super massive the fact that we have a core group of people that cares enough to listen to us every week is uh mind-boggling you know like i i don't know we're just people talking you know about our but, our beliefs that's, and that's um it's one of the the big thing for me is um i try and let everybody who listens to me know i'm not an expert in no way shape or form i'm just like you I'm just looking for answers and, you know, I'm just sharing with you my experience and you can take yeah. with it what, what works for you and maybe share with me something that works for you. And together I can find something new that works for me even better. And that's where, again, I love what we're doing because I get tired of people who study one thing and they study one thing really well yeah and they've only studied it for three years and they think that they know more than morgana who studied for 30 well and that's and why we have guests i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and you have you know like i said you have morgana who's she's done it for for 30 years and she might have tossed that away because it doesn't work for her but that so for people who say they're an expert you know unless you've got the years of experience it really doesn't matter what, because you can be an expert today and that can mean nothing to for even for you in in right. 10 years but um yeah. but this, this, that's why conversations are great clarence yeah, I, yeah. fletcher <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like uh it's funny that you say that, you know, like a, a, a teenage me, like a 19 year old me would have probably claimed to have been an expert in um, a lot of occult topics. And I do know, a, a, I have a good knowledge of occult topics, um, but uh, over the years, all the research that I've done independently and then more recently in the last few years, all the research into the nature of the universe and 
all these different schools of thought. Like it's so interesting to me to gather other others' perspectives because it evolves my own. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like sometimes we get guests that are very um, niche in w- what their disciplines are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. Like if you want to dedicate yourself to, you know, the paranormal world or, you know, like sound theory, even, uh, or, or, you know, healing, um, that's, that's awesome. But, you know, I just can't keep the blinders on like that, like to, to stay focused on one discipline. Well, no, I mean, the more I learn, the more I want to learn about other things. So, I mean, I think I've told y'all this before, you know, there was a time when I read tarot cards every day for like 10 years and I studied them and I read them. And I mean, I was, I considered myself very astute at, you know, being able to interpret the cards. I haven't done it in probably 20 or 30 years, but I could still pick up a deck today and do a reading. Same. Yeah. Uh, Very similar. Um, uh, I was, I think it's just part of growing. Like Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I had a very narrow mind when it came to um, anything occult, really. Uh, The only thing thing I've ever been an expert at is being good looking and kicking ass. (laughs) (laughs) but no i've always been into conspiracies and stuff i was a lot more into them and they controlled my mind a lot more when i was younger well we did a show on the jfk um assassination Mm -hmm. and i should probably take it down it's probably one of the least favorite shows that we've done and the reason why i'm so sorry y'all wilson well, has just got that shrill shrill bark um it was one of the my least favorite because one of the people on was super excited about all of the new stuff that had been released about the jfk assassination they just released and then i had um another person on who had done a lot of study in the 80s and 90s and they considered themselves a um i'm starting expert. to think that's not i'm starting to think that's not dog i'm thinking you got somebody tied up in the gym no, right he's like i think he's part and he's big and so he's got this little bitty bitty shrill and and trust me when it's sitting right next to you it just makes you jump but <laughs> but no so i had this um other person on who they were very knowledgeable but their knowledge base was it stopped and they were going on old information that they researched 20 years ago and it's outdated and unless you say up to date you you know it was and i i mean i hate to say it, it was very disappointing it was it wasn't as good of a conversation as we could have had uh-huh. if this person had even looked at some of the new the new stuff that had been released but they just they felt like they knew what they knew and that nothing was going to change and it's See, like yeah i hate that well and you you can't have a good conversation when someone considers that they know everything yeah you know and there's there's nothing to learn and that's what i love about our group of people is that you know we all really embrace learning and not learning me. from each other not you you're just not sitting me. there I'm stuck in my ways. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to think of what really got me into conspiracies. Um, probably the whole 9-11 thing got me into conspiracies. Um, yeah, that was one of the first ones. Like, even when I was sitting in geography class when it happened, I was like, this shit's an inside job. <laughs> I felt that. Well, like, it wasn't until way later, though, for me. It, it was like, okay, what do you mean a building that didn't get hit fell? And well, what just, do you, you know what I mean? Like, just s- certain things that started to come out didn't make any sense. And that, well, that's what sent me down the rabbit hole. 
Well, I had a teacher who must have had a conspiracy mind because we was watching it, and when the building's falling, fell up, he's like, hmm, that thing's fishy as fuck, don't it, boys? <laughs> <laughs> you ever well, seen a building just fall straight down like that? And I think the same, <laughs> the same passion that I have for the the spiritual world, the spiritual topics, is kind of the same fascination that I have with conspiracy because they do meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a lot of connections between conspiracy and spirituality. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I share the same kind of fascination like anytime i learn something new there's like almost like a like an excitement just of the unknown mm-hmm. yes well and I, I don't know what conspiracy is even my favorite i mean that, that i'm just that excited about learning about but i've my, always been in, intrigued with things um, honestly my whole life i've been I don't know if it was from growing up in garages in Orlando, but I've always learned not to trust the government. So I think I've always had conspiracy oriented mind, especially like I remember one time watching Dr. CB in the nineties, which we're going to have an episode up on where, where wait, a oh, weird, weird awakenings. <laughs> <Did> you- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I like didn't even know what he was gonna say. Um, like, Where the Awakens, we're gonna be talking about Doctor CB. But I remember watching him when I was like eleven or twelve, and I was like, "Why aren't they not pushing this everywhere?" Like as a cure, you know, because he apparently had cure for cancer and everything. You like it? Oh, yeah, doctors or nothing back then. And you know, and, I, and my dad was like, "That's because the government ain't make no fucking money off of it." So, <laughs> like, well, one of the the big conspiracies that I think is really one that everyone should probably look more into is Princess Diana's death. That was oh, yeah. so weird. I mean, and you know, we were we were all right there watching it on TV when you know the lights after the the crash and everything, and there's two days later, everything's just so discombobulated. You just don't know what to believe or trust anymore. It's on telling what happened as soon as it hit the tunnel. But I mean, if he, if anybody thinks that the family didn't have anything to do with that, they're fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, well, your book, your book, <laughs> <laughs> my book is, um, it is available on Amazon and I'm getting ready. And I know y'all probably heard me talk about it, but I, I wrote a short story for the guys and it's called little red riding hood. And by the guys, I mean, this is my watching weird crew. We were all going to be part of an anthology. And um, Mr. Rich Restucci is going to be writing as the the bartender that is the common denominator in all these stories. So I had been working really hard and ended up missing the deadline. And then I found out they extended it. So I got busy and I wrote this short story. It's like probably about 65, 7,000 words, very short. And it is some of my best work. I love it. It's very, if you've seen the movie Stakeland, that was kind of my inspiration for it. Okay. And so it's, it's a little bit darker and it's in a different world, but it's about the vampire apocalypse. And um, it's, I'm, I'm getting it ready. It's on what app right now. And I'm getting it ready to put for like a reader's magnet to try and just give, just give people to let them get, Familiar with, you know, the way things happen in my worlds and a little bit of Leo, introduction into what I do. When you, when you get that ready, um, we will share it. Okay. Well, I've got it ready. I'll send it to you when we get done tonight. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. So you can buy this book. Where all can you buy this book at? My book is only available on Amazon. It is available um, if you are a Kindle Unlimited subscriber. It is free. All my books are. If you want an ebook, I think it's like two ninety nine, and it's available on paperback too. And our so. and the website. Oh, my website is hadleythorn.net. Awesome, and you can catch me and Tolly with Hadley sometimes, most of the time actually on wa- watching we oh, we <laughs> 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 awakenings. 
on Weird Awakenings. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. You got too many podcasts in there. <laughs> You're part of the weird verse. You're the weird part verse. of the weird verse. So watching weirds every Thursday night at nine Eastern, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. 10 and, uh, Eastern, 9 Central. 10, 10 Eastern. That's the reason I ain't been watching. It's past my bedtime. Oh, <laughs> uh, Weird Awakenings is every Friday at eight Eastern. Uh, let's see what else do what else do you have over there? What oh else? man, Weird Realities is growing. We've got so many people now. Mm-hmm. Um, James Irby is back. I don't know what he's going to be doing with us, but James is one of the first people who started this roller coaster with me. Um, we've got Sylvester Barzi, the um, Daniel and Laura Martone. We've got Bethany Stutzman, Crystal Michelle, the old faithful crew is going to be Alan Gamboa, Morgana Calder, Scott Baker, Rich Restucci, and who am I forgetting? I don't know. Them crazy boys from wearing the folk. Yeah, yep. me too. Well, Gracie, me, I think that's getting close to everybody. But there, yeah, we've got about twenty people now. Jen Salmons. We've we do true we do true crime. We got Finley Jones doing Wild Women of Weird, which is where we get together and talk about documentary crime series, which we're recording that I believe on Tuesday this week. Which do y'all remember the McDonald's story when the guy was calling McDonald's and like getting the managers to oh, oh yeah, strip yeah. Morgana, Morgana was telling us about that. <laughs> That's what we're tackling this next time, so that'll be a good one. So yeah, we have a good time. That's the whole thing. Yeah. We just get together and we talk and we we have a good time with it. And it's also weirdrealities.net, right? Probably. Yes, weird with a Y. That's going to be um, and you know you can find us on our link tree. That's L I N K. Um, dot tr or is it tr dot you can remember. top the whole thing out you yeah. can just put in linktree.com slash weird realities and it'll take you there yeah. and yep. we're glad to be part of the weird verse uh the cursed episode of merfolk i'm hoping to be out next week hopefully um i'm putting this out first um so you'll be hearing this before you hear that it's a cursed episode. It has delayed the progress of wearing the folk for the year because I've literally tried to upload it around 15 times. I've edited it and lost it six times. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been a fucking headache. <laughs> but it, it's getting done. You can catch Tully at Chippendales um, every Thursday night at 8 p.m. And... <laughs> Make sure you break out them singles. And thank you for watching us because we're watching you.